the United Methodist People podcast with Reverend Dr. Brad Miller, episode number 18, a conversation with Shannon Pretty, National President of the United Methodist Women and candidate for General Conference. Welcome to the United Methodist People podcast with Reverend Dr. Brad Miller. Brad believes that strengthening the connection in the United Methodist Church is essential to accomplishing the mission of making disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. The United Methodist People podcast helps clergy and church leaders connect with key insights, hear inspiring stories, and learn from the people making a difference in the United Methodist Church through conversation and commentary. And now, here's Brad. Hello again, good people, and uh, welcome to the United Methodist People podcast with Reverend Dr. Brad Miller. It's a, it's a joy and a pleasure and an honor to have you join me here today. Uh, friends, colleagues, people who love the Lord and love the United Methodist Church and are willing to have conversation and commentary, even about the difficult subjects that we face in the aftermath of the General Conference of 2019 and looking forward to the General Conference of 2020 and all the decisions, all the tension and, and things between the uh, progressives and, and traditionalists and centrists. It's all, a lot of things are going on. And we're here to have some conversation about those things here in the United Methodist People podcast, where we are here to uh, to share with you. Today, we have a great uh, guest with us. Shannon Pretty is the national president of the United Methodist Women, and uh, she is also a candidate for a general conference, to be a delegate to general conference from the Indiana Conference. And we'll talk to her in just a moment here. Then want you to know if you want to know more about the United Methodist People podcast, some of check out some of our back episodes. You can do so by going to unitedmethodistpodcast.com or facebook.com slash unitedmethodistpodcast, or you can get us on iTunes as well. And if you go to the website, you can pick up a free gift for you there, a downloadable PowerPoint presentation called The Wesleyan Way. Hopefully it'll be helpful to you. Now, Shannon Pretty. National President of the United Methodist Women, a member of the North United Methodist Church in Indianapolis. She is a woman who has a great passion for service. She has a great passion for social justice and in leadership and inclusion. And these are some of the factors that led her to get more involved with United Methodist Women and rise up the ranks of there to become the national president. And moreover, she is involved with the whatever the next steps are for the United Methodist Church after General Conference 2019. So she attended the UMC Next event in Kansas City, Kansas, in May of uh, in May of 2019, which is about strategies moving forward. And she is also in, involved with the Room for All Coalition, which is a uniting of several uh, progressive and centrist groups uh, who are dealing with the issues before us in our in our church uh, around human sexuality and other things as well. So she's a, we had a great conversation. She was very gracious to me in that we had a conversation the day before this interview where uh, I messed up, my computer crashed, and I lost a lot of great content, and I really feel bad about that. And this interview here, we had uh, just a lot of gems that you're going to enjoy, but uh, she had a little bit of a hoarse voice, and uh, certainly that is no distraction. Listen to the beautiful content, the passion that she has for the church, 
through service right now, the United Methodist Women, and for running to be a general conference, uh, running for general conference uh, delegate. And so she, you can hear the passion in her about how she is all about inclusion and moving forward in deeper conversations. So let's get into this conversation with Shannon Pretty right now. And today we have a great leader in the United Methodist Church. She actually is the president of the National United Methodist Women and is very involved in, uh, in local church issues at her church, North United Methodist Church in Indianapolis, as well as matters involving the, the, uh, the, the next church movement. Her name is Shannon Pretty, and uh, she is with us today in the United Methodist People podcast. Shannon, welcome. Thank you. Welcome. Uh, it's an honor to be here. I want to just say, first and foremost, I am a little hoarse. I have the, one of those wonderful summer colds, so uh, so bear with me, and I hope that I'm audible and loud enough and, and understandable uh, well, in you're, this hoarseness. You're, you're fine. It just you know gives you that resonant uh, quality in your voice, and that'll be distinctive for everything we're talking about here. So that's awesome. Oh, sounds great. Sounds yeah. great. Well, <clears throat> well, Shannon is a person who is in her career is involved with the nonprofit sector, and so she has a real passion for people who are are in the margins and in the conversations that we're having regarding next phases in the church. We're recording this in the in the early part of June of 2019. We all know that we're in a, in a situation in our church where we are uh, in the midst of some angst and some some turmoil. And I just wanted to get uh, a voice of someone who's involved in the lazy side of things and who's especially involved with such a uh, a tremendous career as the president of the United Methodist Women. So, Shannon, give us a little bit about who you are, your background, and how you came to be that you're the president of the National United Methodist Women. Sure, I'm happy to share my story. Uh, it is one of connection and community and, and, and the United Methodist Church. I was born and raised in the United Methodist Church. I was baptized um, as, a ch- as a baby, um, and I actually got to speak with the pastor who baptized me um, and we now send Christmas cards to one another. So uh, awesome. 40, 45 years later, 40 years later, we are still in touch, which is great. Um, I grew up with uh, the United Methodist Church as my faith walk. Grew up uh, learning about the Bible and social justice and what Jesus did in his time to bring about a new faith um, and, and celebrate a new God, or a, a new image of God. Uh, was really how I grew up and, and, and active in the church, was confirmed in the United Methodist Church. Uh, you know, as a, as a young adult, went to Bible studies, found my own church uh, when I moved to Boston. When I moved around the country, uh, would find my own church as I was in different cities. <clears throat> and grew up with a mother who was active in United Methodist Women. So I always saw that as an outlet, as an education um, an outlet for missions and an opportunity for women leaders. So when I moved to Indianapolis in 2011, I found a church and um, it's bigger than the church I grew up with, grew up in. I could put four of the churches I grew up in, in it. Uh, and I thought I'm never gonna find a niche in a church this big. And uh, one day uh, they were selling prayer calendars in the, in the entryway. And I walked up and I said, those are United Methodist Women prayer calendars. I want to be a part of it. I want to find a home here at North United Methodist. So I got involved uh, on the local level here in Indianapolis uh, with United Methodist Women. And I had been involved um, 
earlier in my 20s uh, through School of Christian Mission, which is now Mission U. So I saw this this education in social justice and this education in um, in what inclusivity looks like, and uh, got active on the conference level. And then uh, in 2015, was invited to run as a delegate uh, or as a director, run for a director position of the national board. Was elected in 2016 to the national board from Indiana and then slated for president and became president in 2016. Uh, it was not on my radar. I thought, you know, I work in nonprofits. It'll be great experience to be part of a board. Uh, it's even greater experience to lead a board. And it is an opportunity of a lifetime that I am honored and called to do. Uh, it not only helps me see my work in nonprofits, uh, I work in fundraising for nonprofits, and I work across the gamut of nonprofits. I work with children's nonprofits. I work with adult literacy nonprofits. <clears throat> I work for env environmental nonprofits. So uh, I've, I've seen the margins and I've seen what, what missions can do. So both from your career aspect and here through the work in the church, you are really just sound like you're really, really passionate, devoted to issues of mission and social justice, inclusivity, matters where where people are hurting in some form or another. you got a heart for that, don't you? I do. I do, because we are all God's people, and we are all children of Christ. And, you know, I, I have been fortunate. I have been very blessed in my opportunities, uh, but I'm fortunate, and not everyone has had those same opportunities. But as a child of Christ, we all deserve those opportunities. That is awesome. I'm also glad to hear you, you know, just lifting up United Methodist Women. And because United Methodist Women has such, got such a great focus on mission and it is just the, such a, the core leadership of many of our United Methodist churches. And it's, you know, sometimes it just kind of gets a little bit of a, a, a kind of a stigma of just doing church dinners and this type of thing. But it's it's so much more than that. It's just so involved and ingrained with the very core of our United Methodist churches, isn't it? Oh, it really is. And, you know, when you see the opportunities that United Methodist Women offers, it is a chance to have missions for women by women. Um, you know, we work in community with our churches. We don't, you know, men aren't excluded, but uh, we're going to be in the leadership roles. And, you know, that's part of what we teach around the world is that we can't do it alone. We don't want to do it alone. Uh but we want to hear women's voices and we want to hear from women about leadership and, and what they need as leaders to work alongside the men in their church, the children in their church. Uh, and that's really where that inclusivity starts. You know, if you're including all people in a church, you're building community that doesn't get built otherwise. Hmm. Um, yeah, so I think awesome. that's really important. Sure. That's awesome. And of course, just many of our churches, <laughs> local churches, just simply could not function without an active and engaged United Methodist women. And that is an awesome thing. And you mentioned there about the, the leadership roles and the leadership opportunities. And of course, you you chose and had opportunities to rise to the level of national leadership, United Methodist women. And and you so being involved in a national level, you know that in our United Methodist Church, uh, and local and national, internationally, we are in a time of some uh, of, of anxiety and consternation. Uh, following the decisions of the General Conference of February 2019, 
which particularly focuses on matters of, of human sexuality, but it just goes much, much deeper than that. And I know that you've chosen to get involved with some of the issues regarding uh, the uh, uh, progressive and centrist approach to the traditional plan and, and how that is uh, shaken out. And, and, but I'd like for us to talk a little bit about that. And you chose to be part of the, a movement of kind of helping determine or have discernment about what is next for the United Methodist Church. And you've, in leadership, decided to step up in there. And not too long ago, you were part of a event called United UMC Next, which was at uh, Church of the Resurrection in Kansas City, Kansas. And uh, tell us, give us your take a little bit on what's going on in the church right now. What led you to go to this event in Kansas City? And just unpack this a little bit for us, where we're at right now for you, what you think we're, we're doing right now. Sure. Um, so, you know, as of February 2019, with the special called General Conference, <clears throat> we learned that the majority of the people wanted a traditional approach to uh, the Book of Discipline. <clears throat> and when I say traditional approach, uh, they were looking at, um, at two, two specific opportunities uh, for exclusivity. Uh, and I think that uh, that was really tough for a lot of people to swallow. Uh, we are a church, and a church is supposed to, for a lot of us, include all people. And just and, to clarify, Shannon, for you too, sure. those two opportunities you mentioned for ex- ex- exclusivity uh, really uh, focused in on uh, uh, ordination of, of gay clergy and uh, the conducting of uh, same-sex weddings in churches. Correct. Yes. So it's really for the clergy. Uh, it's a clergy um, uh, requirement. Uh, who can and cannot be clergy? Wh- who clergy can and cannot marry? And unfortunately, that affects the rest of the church. Yes, the rules for the clergy, but then it it excludes um, opportunities for you know members of the church as well. So I think in looking at an inclusive church. Uh, these this new traditional rules uh, do not include inclu- do not make for inclusivity. So when uh, people started talking and groups started forming around what could be done to uh, go against the traditional plan to change the traditional plan, um, looking at General Conference 2020 and looking beyond 2020, what could we do? So I did uh, attend uh, the UMC Next meeting uh, led by the church, or led at the Church of the Resurrection in Kansas City, Kansas. Uh, about 600 people came together from across the United States to talk about what could be next. And what was interesting is everyone wanted to come out with a plan. And unfortunately, we're not all in the same space. I mean, we have churches that are reforming churches or um, um, reconciling churches. We have churches that are small rural churches who don't really understand the globalness of the United Methodist Church. So when you think of a spectrum of where everyone is at, we are everywhere from, you know, very conservative and and want the traditional plan to um, very progressive and and believe in inclusion for all. And our our pastors are, are having are hosting, um, performing gay marriage, same-sex weddings, and, um, you know, homosexual uh, clergy are being ordained. So you have this, this, this spectrum of people. 
And so this, this UMC Next brought a lot of those people to the table and said, what can we do? What are some options? And so for two and a half days, we looked at options and we sat with people who are not from our conference. I sat with men and women from across the United States who I did not know before walking in those doors. And we talked about opportunities for resistance when it comes to following the traditional plan and understanding the book of discipline. How can we break those rules? And what does it mean to break those rules? What does it look like to dissolve the United Methodist Church to really become its, its nothing like its former self? So if if it were to split and become two totally different churches or three totally different churches? Or what does it mean for one church to leave? Uh, what does it mean for one conference to leave or, or one um, group of people to leave? And so we talked about all these options and there's no one clear path because we're not all on the same part of the spectrum. You have large churches who can afford to resist because their membership says we can afford to help our pastor if he or she is brought up on charges for performing a same-sex marriage. <clears throat> you have small rural churches or small urban churches or small or large urban churches or large rural churches who are not ready to talk about homosexuality and the church who are not ready to talk about resistance or dissolution or even um, disaffiliation. And we need to be open to talking about all of these things. And when you think about a global church, because the whole denomination votes on issues like this, we have to be in conference with our brothers and sisters in Africa, our brothers and sisters in Europe, our brothers and sisters in Asia, because they are on a very different part of the spectrum as well. So, and, and not only other parts of the world, but other parts of the kind of theological and biblical understanding uh, aspects as well, because those folks of different views theologically and biblical understanding can be different in the same church, even the same UMW groups and the same families. Exactly. And if we're not talking about it, and, and it's a tough conversation, you know, we're Methodists. We like to sit in our same pew. We like to park in our same spot. We sit by the same families we've sat by for generations. Um, but do we know that family next to us? Have we ever had a conversation about what we believe and our theology and our understanding of God and his, his work in us? And I'm willing to bet the answer is no. And, and we go and we listen to our, our clergy and we listen to our pastor and we, we read the scriptures, but have we had those conversations? And what came out of Kansas for me was the ability to have those conversations because I was having those conversations with men and women from South Carolina to Alaska to everywhere in between. For the first time, some of them had never had these conversations. And, you know, I'm fortunate, United Methodist Women, because we want all women and we include all women, we've been having these conversations for two and a half years because we know that not all of our women are on the same page. Some of our women aren't even, you know, prepared to to talk about human sexuality, let alone talk about it in their own family, their own church or their own town. So 
we've been working on it for a long time, but we've also opened that conversation that the church now needs to have. So what I really appreciated about Kansas, again, was understanding that the lines are fake. The lines of, of conference to conference are not real in the sense of how do we communicate with each other? So for example, if someone in South Carolina is, you know, at a at a church that doesn't want to talk about human sexuality or what's going on with the global church, but that person is ready, how can I help him or her have that conversation with the pastor, with the lay leader, with the ministries council, whatever it is? And that's where that breakdown has to happen because one person from, you know, that church in South Carolina showed up to this conversation and is ready to take it back to his or her church, how can we prepare her, him or her to take it back to their church? Because mm-hmm. what, what an incredible courageous step that is for folks to do that in the midst of, of uh, what you know, can be just a daunting task. Uh, exactly. Them. And it's a part of what I hear you saying emerge out of the conversation in Kansas City was, let's go to a deeper dialogue, that, but hopefully out of that can come some tools or some processes or some encouragement to move forward in uh, in these deeper conversations because I get the feeling that I think uh, you could speak to this as well, that when we talk about the issues of the traditional plan being enacted, that is in many ways symptomatic of some deeper resonant uh, uh, hurt and a little bit of uh, dark places in our church that they need to be brought brought to light, and going deeper is going to be way deeper. Conversations going to be have to take place in order to resolve these issues. Well, exactly, and the deeper conversations build community that much better. You know, I had forty eight hours to build trust with these these men and women around the table, and we had to build trust quickly. You know, when we think about the reports from the commission on the way or the yeah commission on the way forward. You know, they had a year to build trust. We had 12 hours to build trust. And and think about our churches. You know, we've sat next to these men and women in our pews for generations, or, or maybe we're new to the church. I've only been in my church for eight years. Um, so are we ready to have those conversations? It can be daunting, but the tools and the resources are available. And, and that's the one thing, you know, we have grace. We have the grace of God who says, you know, I may be sticking my foot in my mouth, but will you please love me anyway? Mm. And God says yes. Yeah, that's awesome, isn't it? You know, if, uh, but uh, when that, when we go back to our roots as United Methodists, especially our Wesleyan roots, it's the primacy of grace. And mm-hmm. hopefully that would supersede a lot of the hurt and the harm that has been done. And, you know, one of our basic United Methodist Wesleyan uh, understandings is to do no harm. And so we're trying to, it seems like the, out of Kansas City, we're trying to speak to that matter of the harm that's being done and has been, been done. But now we got to think about how we take what you learned in Kansas City and and what your, these deeper conversations and then how, uh, what's the next step is what I'm going to get at. The, the conference is called the next step, but now we got to talk about the next step of <clears throat> implementation. Uh, in our annual conferences, in our local churches. You spoke to that a little bit, but uh, speak a little bit more to how we can now start to implement those next steps in terms of uh, hopefully affecting uh, positive change. Sure, and I think the next steps are going to look different for everyone. 
And I think they should look different for everyone. Um, and what I mean is, you know, I, I attend a reconciling church. Uh, we know where we stand as far as <clears throat> the Book of Discipline and the changes uh, that came out of 2019. <clears throat> so with that in mind, what my church may or may not be planning are things like, how do we protect our pastor if he decides to do something? How do we protect um, our, <clears throat> our leaders in our conference or in our district if they decide to protest? Uh, <clears throat> similarly, uh, within, you know, within my own district and my own conference, what am I doing to go out and meet with churches who may not even want to be in the conversation? And I can use United Methodist Women as my entry point uh, to go out and have those conversations and to talk about what General Conference 2020 could look like. So, you know, annual but, conferences are happening right now. Right. And are we are we electing delegates to General Conference who are willing to have these conversations? Mm -hmm. So, of course, Doug, what we're getting ahead in here now is that, you know, we talk about all this and we have all these things, but General Conference uh, 2020 <clears throat> is when, a, when really the rubber is going to hit the road, where things are going to happen one way or another. And a lot of... Uh, you know, there's a lot of challenges before the church that will be dealt with as we uh, come up to General Conference 2020, because that's where the Book of Discipline is uh, is written and, and adhered to. And you've chosen <clears throat> to uh, become a candidate to be a, a delegate to uh, General Conference. And I'd like for because that means that you want to that you've chosen to offer yourselves to step up to be a decision maker, to be a, a change maker, to be an advocate for. Uh, your understanding of, of the, your biblical position and your position of in the life of the church. I would just say a little bit, uh, Shannon, about uh, what led you to this decision to to become a candidate for a general conference, and take it from there. What what would you do for us if you got elected? Sure. Uh, so I chose to become a delegate because I felt like voices weren't being heard. Um, or be a candidate, I should say. I felt like <clears throat> voices weren't being heard from the periphery, from the outliers, and I could go listen to those voices and speak for those voices. So it, it was a matter of, of looking at and listening at General Conference 19 and looking around the room and, and look, looking at who was missing from the conversation. And I realized that I was not seeing people who look like me, meaning people in their 40s, people in their 30s, um, people in their 20s, who are the future of the church, who are the next generation of the church. And I thought I could be that listener in my own conference to take to 2020. And that's one of the reasons why I, um, I signed up and, and put myself into candidacy for 2020, was the idea that um, we need to be listening to and, and going out and conversing and having conversations with the people who don't show up, the people who are busy in their own lives and may not have an understanding about the global church and and really the impact that that 20 that that general conferences has on a church. You know, 
coming out of, of 2019, a lot of people said, well, what happens on the local church isn't going to change. It's the global church that's going to change. But I think it changes all of it because it well, changes if we're, how if we we're get... a connectional church, then exactly. by, almost by definition, you know, it changes everything. Exactly. It changes everything because we are a connectional church. We should be talking to people who don't think like us, who don't practice like we do who, you know, have different faith walks than we do because it enriches our own faith walk. And that's what I want to see represented um, at 2020. And I think that's what I can I can offer is is being the person who uh, has listened to other other versions, other beliefs, other other interpretations um, and what that means to them and how they interpret what's going to happen next. And I can be that person that's representing that because ultimately we are a connectional church and I can go into any United Methodist church in the world and feel at home and feel like I belong. Mm -hmm. And I've done that. I've been blessed to travel the world and look for the cross and flame around the world and attend churches throughout the world uh, where I have walked in. And I may not have spoken the language, but we all knew when it was time to do the, the passing of the peace. And we all knew when it was time to do the benediction and, and the, um, and the, and the um, Lord's prayer, uh, because it's the same in every language. The cadence doesn't change. Mm-hmm. And that's the beauty of a connectional church. Uh, the beauty of, of what makes us United Methodist church is the community and the connections and the, the, the different faith walks and the different experiences. And that's what I can take to 2020. Right. And the community and the connection is built on that word we spoke about earlier, grace. Oh, and, gosh, and, yes. And having being tolerant of others and listening and all those type of skills that I'm hearing you bring, offering into the conversation. But I want to get really personal with you just for a second here, Shannon. Sure. Let's just say, <clears throat> let's just put this in terms of uh, there's going to be, you're a part, you're running for a general conference uh, delegate from the Indiana Annual Conference, of which I'm a part of, and I'll be a clergy voting member, and you are a, a layperson. But there's persons from my church who are laity clergy voting members in every other church, uh, rural, urban, with various levels of understanding about the issues. But almost everyone's concerned. So I just mm-hmm. want to hear, uh, hear what you would say to that uh, layperson who is very confused who maybe leaning more towards the traditional side of things in their thinking, but knows that, you know, in their church and in their community, you know, they have people who have different uh, views and maybe have different uh, sexual orientations and so on. And they know and respect and, and love them, but they are just a bit confused here about, and just in angst about things. I want you to speak to me like you're having a conversation with that lay person, perhaps a lay woman of a rural church, and what would you say to her or him about uh, about what's before us? Why would you vote for you or vote for others in terms of representing them at, at General Conference? Sure. Um, as, as is usually my first question when I meet someone new is, tell me your story. Tell me what your faith means to you, uh, because it is, it, is, it is part of our makeup. You know, what we believe impacts our daily life, and I want to know this person. So my first question would be, you know, tell me about your walk with Jesus. Tell me about why you're a United Methodist and why um, you believe what you believe. 
And then the conversation would, would, would go from there. So let's say, you know, I believe it's written that a man and a woman should um, only be married. Only a man and woman should be married. All right, let's talk about that. Because, you know, I'm not going to debate theology with you. That is your belief. But I am going to talk to you about what it means to be inclusive of all people and what it means to, um, to the right, to the opportunity to all people to have those same opportunities. You know, so that's going to carry that conversation in one direction. I'm not trying to change his or her belief. That is something that takes time and education and, sure. and, and their own interpretation. Uh, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to listen and I'm going to interpret. And then I'm going to say something along the lines of, I really thank you for being part of my faith walk. And I can represent you at, at General Conference 2020 because I've heard your story and I've heard what you believe. And I understand what this church now needs to do to make it inclusive of your beliefs and someone else's beliefs. That's awesome. Well, it just sounds like you would, you're seeking to to listen and learn from them in order for you for, to seek to understand in order to be understood yourself. And in the process, you would be representative of them, even if they were not necessarily supportive of your position, maybe not even vote for you. That would be what we're talking <clears throat> about here. Is that correct, Shannon? Yes, I think that's fair to say, because <clears throat> ultimately what this experience in our church life right now is, is an opportunity for growth. I mean, on all sides. So if we can find a way, which there is a way to come together, there is such an opportunity for the growth of the church in a time that our church is not growing, in a time that our church is declining, because we can accept and be part of all the views. And there is a way that is not punitive towards anyone or exclusionary towards anyone. And I don't know what the answer is yet. I don't think we have an answer yet. Um, but there is a way, because it's God's way, to be inclusive of everyone and to hear all sides and accept all sides and find a way to be inclusive of all of that. And I think that's what makes church amazing. I don't have to agree with everyone to feel the spirit moving between us, in, in combination with us, because I'm richer for hearing and understanding that person's belief and point of view. Well, that's awesome because uh, we're obviously in a painful moment in our church right now, a defining moment, but often pain is the opportunity for gain, and that is what uh, I'm hearing you say here. And I'd just like for you to speak to one more, one more item, and then we'll Close our, close our conversation. I'll sure. let you rest. Let you rest your voice, and that is uh, <laughs> uh, you, you kind of touched on a little bit here. But I would like you to be specific about signs of hope in the church. What I mean by that, a conversation you may have had, or an event you may have seen, or something that gives you signs of hope. Because I know for a lot of folks these days, they are pretty, uh, you know, pretty disheartened by what's going on in the church. And there are those folks who uh, have a sense of resignation about what's happening in the life of the church. But I'd like for you to speak to what you see as a sign of hope. Oh, I see lots of signs of hope, um, which is why I believe in church and why I believe in the United Methodist Church. Um, and, I'll, and I'll start with the smallest and, and take it a little bit bigger. So, um, and I'll use some United Methodist women history and some opportunities for 
that weren't United Methodist women. So in 2012, United Methodist Women said, in 2016, we're going to talk about human sexuality in the Bible at Mission U. And in Indiana, I heard, I will never attend that. I will never be a part of that. I cannot talk about human sexuality in the Bible. It had nothing to do with, with the LGBTQ issue. It truly talked about, um, about love and commitment and, and, and our sexuality and how it relates to the Bible. In 2016, when we had that Mission U, it was one of the most well-attended Mission U's ever because the, the conversation was opened up by one book to United Methodist women and to all United Methodists. And that opened up a conversation and that the conversations that came out of that 2016 Mission U changed the way a lot of women looked at each other, referenced each other, and understood their partnerships, their marriages, their children, their grandchildren, their nieces and nephews. And that was a blossoming opportunity that I saw fruitful and beneficial. And it gave me such great hope for the church. On a smaller scale, um, you know, attending, uh, I, I attend a lot of conference meetings uh, around the country as, as part of my office. But what I have heard more than once is, I want to make a change in my church for X, Y, and Z reason. I want to, you know, have a, a affirming, a, a reconciling Sunday school class. I want to learn more about reconciling. I want to learn more about, you know, the LGBTQ issues and things like that. How can I start this in my own church? And I said, you are one person. Can you invite another person to attend? Because where two or three are gathered, he is with us. And I said, you realize if you invite one more person into conversation with you, God is in that conversation. Even if you're questioning and you don't know and you don't know what you believe or what to think, you, by inviting someone into those questions with you, you are inviting the Holy Spirit into that conversation. So I've seen it on the macro level in the sense of United Methodist Women here in Indiana. And I've seen it on the micro level in the sense of one woman or one person asking the question of inviting another person to join him or her. And where two or three are, so is Christ. So those are the hopefulness, the, the big and the small signs. Yeah. Um, awesome. You know, a clergy person who, who says, I didn't know that and now I do is an aha moment. And it can be about anything. You know, when I talk to a, a, a lay person and, and, and he says, I didn't know that's how, you know, annual conference worked. I didn't know that's what charge conference was for. We're bringing people into the conversation who may not have had any inkling or wanting of being in the conversation before. And this is our hope. By inviting people into conversation, by inviting about anything that has to do with church matters, whether it's how to get the youth involved, how to get music into my church, how do I make time for everything to happen? By inviting people into those questions and asking for community and asking for help, we are inviting in Christ and his kingdom. Well, that is awesome because of what you're sharing here there is that when we step forward with courage and in faith and be a bit risky 
to go to these deeper conversations with others, even if we don't agree with them, then that's also, by its nature, inviting the Holy Spirit into the conversation. And I think this uh, issue of, uh, you know, God is a lot bigger than our problems, uh, and God is a much, the Holy Spirit will uh, will embed itself uh, into this whole process if we but allow to. So we're the people who reject that, or we're the people who push that that out, and if you invite this conversation, that is awesome. And another party that's involved with this conversation that I think we just got to be mindful for, because when we have difficulties in the church, it does impact uh, folks who are not people of faith right now. The folks outside of our churches who are far for, far from God, and we have to be mindful that our conversations uh, are impactful on how we live out our mission of making disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world, because that impacts those folks out there in the world. So, awesome. And I would also say, you know, we, in our daily lives, interact with with men and women who are not part of our church and may be far from a faith with God. Uh, but, you know, they'll know, our, they'll know we're Christians by our love, but they'll also know we're Christians because we invite them to be part of our lives. Mm. Yeah. And on, on a uh, level playing field as well, not one of a, of a uh, position of uh, judgment or, or uh, condemnation. That's awesome. Yeah. No, relating to each other as human beings, relating to each other as to one another, as as persons who are who are in need of grace, awesome. who are in need of of one another. Well, awesome. Well, Shannon, any final words of, of uh, insight or encouragement you might give to our listeners today? Well, I just want to say thank you for this opportunity and bearing with me with this hoarse voice. I want to thank um, the people who listen. Uh, because you're you're taking a step to open your mind and your doors and your heart and your faith walk uh, to something new and maybe something di- different. I want to uh, also say that, you know, there is hope every day. There is change every day. And, um, and both sides are going to feel it and experience it. And, and it's because we're opening the doors and having the conversations. Great. Well, thank you, Shannon. We're yeah. gonna, we would thank you for being our, our guest today. We're going to let you rest your voice and, and get, get better you. there. And our, our awesome guest today here on the on the United Methodist People podcast has been Shannon Pretty, who is the national president of the United Methodist Women. I am sure that you enjoyed and received great value from the conversation I had with Shannon Pretty. I loved her sensibilities about social justice and mission and inclusion and about going deeper in conversations with people, even with people that you may not have agreement with. How if there's going to be any progress made in our church in terms of strengthening strengthening the connection and moving through this process where we have just lots of angst, lots of uh, anxiety about what's going on in our church right now. Her thing is about going deeper and the primacy of grace and building community, and and she sees this as an opportunity for, for, for growth. So we just thank her for being with us here today on the United Methodist People podcast, where we are here to strengthen the connection in the United Methodist Church so we can achieve our mission of making disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. Hope you tune in and get with us next time. You can always check us out, by the way, at unitedmethodistpodcast.com. We've got a free gift for you there at facebook.com slash unitedmethodistpodcast and on iTunes and a few other places as well. 
This is Reverend Dr. Brad Miller encouraging you to continue to do all the good you can by all the means you can in all the ways you can on all the places you can at all the times you can to all the people you can as long as ever you can. Thanks so much for listening to the United Methodist People podcast with Reverend Dr. Brad Miller. You can continue the conversation and commentary about strengthening the connection in the United Methodist Church to accomplish our mission of making disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. Visit the United Methodist People podcast on the web at unitedmethodistpodcast.com and connect at facebook.com slash unitedmethodistpodcast. And always do all the good you can.